This is Education Matters, brought to you by the Ohio Education Association. Thank you for joining us for this edition of Education Matters. I'm Katie Olmstead, part of the communications team for the Ohio Education Association and the 120,000 teachers, higher ed faculty members, and education support professionals OEA represents in the state. Our members have a wide range of opinions on, well, everything, but especially when it comes to politics. We have Democrats, Republicans, Independents, and everything in between in our ranks. The one thing we all agree on, though, is that we believe in our public schools and in our students. And that is why it is so important to make sure pro-public education candidates are leading at all levels. And getting the support of OEA members, as well as contributions from the OEA fund, can make a huge difference in helping those candidates win their races. But who makes the decisions about who gets that support? The short answer is OEA members. The longer answer involves taking a little bit of a dive into the screening and endorsement process, so here's a quick crash course. Endorsement decisions for Ohio House and Senate candidates are made by OEA members who serve on local screening committees. Those are made up of a five-member district screening council appointed by the OEA district leadership, plus leaders of the local associations within those legislative districts, and OEA retired and aspiring educator members may also serve on those local screening committees too. Candidates for statewide office, like governor, state attorney general, and the like, those are screened by OEA Fund's state council, which makes recommendations to the OEA Fund state convention, where OEA members vote on those recommendations. But while who makes those decisions is important, the bigger question is how? Barb Armour, a school bus driver in Brunswick City Schools, joins us now to explain. She's the ESP at large on the Northeast Ohio Education Association's Board of Directors and was OEA's ESP of the Year in 2020. And most importantly for this conversation, she is a member of the OEA Fund District Screening Council 1 in Northeast Ohio. Barb, thank you so much for taking the time to explain this whole process for us. Uh, let's start with the very beginning for you. How did you get involved in these screening committees? Um, well, it was an ask. Somebody asked if I'd like to sit in on us in the screening committee. Um, they were looking for uh, ESP members directly because there weren't many who would sit in on the screening process. And since I was a board of director member, they had asked me to do that. I was an OEA board of director member at the time. So I said, okay, not really knowing what I was getting involved in, but um, I started doing it and I really um, enjoyed it. It was quite an educational process, but we had a lot of good people with staff and people who have done it for a while to guide you along. We had some people who are in the retired sector who are on the screening committee. We have people who had experience who, who guided us on what to do. And it caught on very quickly on how to you know screen the candidates. And it really um, is a really good process that they've worked on along the time. So how do you screen the candidates? What is that process? Well, there's a specific set of questions that each candidate fills out a questionnaire. They get it in advance and 
some send it in, some don't. If they don't send it in, some don't wish to screen, then they don't come screen. We only screen them if they wish to be screened and we will screen anybody. We do not pick and choose. Um, everybody is invited to fill out the questionnaire. Every candidate is invited to come screen with us. Many have. So um, we've uh, invited both Republicans, Democrats, um, and we have screened all of them who have come. Um, we've had a couple controversial screenings that we actually have endorsed, and that's a whole nother story that we could tell. But, um, you know, sometimes you sit there and you go, whoa, sh should we do this person? Um, are they going to get mad at, us, mad at us down at state for the OEA convention? For But, you know, sometimes you feel like this is the best person to endorse, that you got to make sure that staff helps us to, you know, with their DPI and RPI and, and all that to know what their ratings are and how electable they are. So you ask the same set of questions of each candidate. And then the team who's assembled there, the group of people, picks out a few questions and dives a little deeper into their, lets them explain their answers. And then they give an opening statement and a closing statement, let us know how their campaign is running, you know, how much funding they have. And then we have a discussion afterwards, after they're all done. So what kind of questions are we talking about here? One, I think one of the misconceptions I think about our entire process is that we're picking people based on, um, well, I should say to dispel part of that. We are not picking anybody. I'm not part of this process. I'm staff. No. I am. It is members and members only who it make these member, decisions. All member driven. Correct. But also. It is it's not based on political ideology or political party affiliation or anything like that. No. It is only about their positions on the public education issues. Right. We only focus on educational issues right now. They're focusing on charter schools, you know, how they feel about gun safety in schools, um, testing, um, privatization, as far as like, you know, bus drivers and cafeteria workers, things like that. And, Funding, funding is a big issue. Those type of things are some of the questions that have been brought up. The state, there's a you know whole committee that goes over all the questions and comes up with a set of like 13 to 16 questions. So out of those 13 to 16 questions, you know, the, the candidate will answer those. And then we pick out maybe five, depending on time, five to six questions to dive into deeper, depending on what their answers are. Some of them go with some of the questions are collective bargaining and some of those are just yes, no answers. And, you know, you don't have to go any further on those. If they're yes, they're yes. If they're no, they're no. There's nothing else to really say about that. Now, I do want to dive deeper into a couple of things that you have brought up already in this conversation. Mm -hmm. One of them is the easy question. Uh, you mentioned you have <laughs> ESPs, the retired members. Um, mm -hmm. How important is it to have diverse perspectives on these screening committees? Well, it's very important because everybody who listens to the answers of the candidate then puts their own views into when we have our discussion on how they feel the candidate did and how they feel the candidate is going to be bringing our agenda forward in the state house or, you know, down in Columbus or on the board of education, you know, so that's, that's very important to all of us, even the retireds, to how 
their issues are going to be brought forward. So here's my second question, uh, the slightly trickier one. You mentioned some of your choices have been a little controversial and you were afraid they'd get mad at you down in Columbus. What our recommendation is to take down to Columbus, correct? When you're thinking about what would make somebody a controversial pick, what are you worried about and how do you uh, reconcile that with the recommendations you're making? Well, the, the one most controversial person was somebody who had voted for SB5. Oh, when they they broke protocol, they were told not to screen and they did come and screen with us. They filled out the form. They answered. They came and sat with us and they explained a lot of things. And we all sat there and looked at each other and said, we think we should endorse this person. And staff was like, what? (laughs) We're like, they've screened. They've they've broken protocol with what? they were actually told to do by their leadership. So we said, we're recommending them for endorsement. And we did, and it went through. (laughs) And sometimes you just gotta take the big leap and say, we really believe this person is a change person. And you know what? It ended up being a good thing for us. So let's explain the process a little bit further here. You do the initial screening, then you have Mm -hmm. that, that interview with the candidate, you make a recommendation, and then right. what happens? Papers get filled out. It goes down to Columbus, um, gets signed off by the president of OEA, vice president, and then uh, the government's book committee decides um, who best would get the funding, who needs it the most in that their you know campaigns. Because some campaigns are very well-funded. Some campaigns a little less and need more of OEA's help because our funds are limited. I mean, you know, our dues don't go to that. Only the FC, the Ohio fund money goes to that, what people have donated. So we have to be careful with how we use our funds. We have to use it in the best way. And I'm glad you brought up some of these things because, again, I think a lot of our conversation is just about dispelling some of the misconceptions about the screening process and the fund as you mentioned, the dues are never used for these political contributions. That is the law. It is all voluntary contributions from OEA members and their family members to the OEA fund. Mm -hmm. Only OEA members are deciding how that money should be spent to support the campaigns. Are there other things uh, that you wish people understood about how this all works? Um, a lot of people are invited to come to these screenings, presidents of the locals. So if they don't come, their voices aren't being heard. Um, they're the presidents of all the locals in that, um, like Senate district or House district, are invited to come to these screenings. So if they're not coming, then their voices aren't being put into the decision. So they need to get more involved and to come to these. And the same is true for all OEA members. Uh, Mm -hmm. You know, this time of year, I get some calls from people saying, well, how are these decisions made? How could I make those decisions? What does that look like? How can people get involved in this? If you're involved in your district, I guess, um, there's a lot of like the OEA district, not your school district. Your OEA district, yes. 
like any, I'm from any OEA. So we have right. like the legislative committee and I'm sure most other districts have those also. Um, being involved in that type of thing, you're getting your name out there. You're telling your district president, uh, your executive director, like, hey, I'm really interested in this. I'd like to be in a screening committee. I'd like to follow through. I'd like to know what's going on. They can assign you to these plate things because we're always looking for people to to be on these committees to to do this work. So reach out to your district leadership if you're interested yes. in doing something like mm-hmm. this. Yes. Why? I know why you started doing it. Why do you keep doing it? Because I, I've gotten a connection with the people on the team and even some of the candidates, I guess, you know, you keep, you start seeing some of them coming back to screen. You're like, Oh yeah, I know who that is. (laughs) (laughs) And it's, um, nice to see that they're still involved and they're still wanting the connection with all the educators and still willing to listen to what our voices are and wanting to know our opinions on things. So that's a really good thing to know that they are still interested in us as much as we are interested in them. At the end of the day, what does an OEA endorsement really mean? What weight do you think that holds? When there's controversial bills going through the House and the Senate, when our presidents and vice president are down there trying to, and the lobbyists, you know, are trying to say, hey, you know, we we help support you, then they're like, oh, yeah, you guys were out there for me and you, you endorsed me and, you know, I, I really appreciated that and, you know, but, and they understand by talking with us, what our issues are, and they know that they can call on us if they have a question to be educated on, because they don't know everything. They say, they tell us, we don't know everything. Some of them do know quite a bit. Some of them were teachers, but some of them are like, I'm confused about this. And they will, they know who to call to get those questions answered. So making those connections with them is, is really part of the whole process. Educators educating. Who would have thought? (laughs) (laughs) And educators getting pro-public education candidates into Mm -hmm. these offices around the state. That makes a big difference in our classrooms, on our school buses. It makes a difference in in our schools every single day. Right. Because everything that happens in Columbus affects everything in our schools. I mean, people think, oh, what is it? What difference does it make? All the bills they pass, the laws they pass, it affects us. You know, it just comes down to that. It's it's even down to the tone of their rhetoric, the the mm-hmm. way they talk about public education. You have some people who are, you know, trying Negative. to manufacture controversy around it. It's yes. good to have friends who are going to tamp down that conversation. Right. Right. What has this year looked like for you on the screening committee versus other years? Any any standout moments for you? We had a couple screenings where we had a really nice large group of members show up. We had one screening where we went from 11 in the morning till well after six in the evening. Wow. We all day. And there was probably over 20 of us there. So it was quite an event. <laughs> As somebody who has 
generally been very engaged in the process. What does it feel like to you to see other people coming into that and, and feeling that sense of engagement? That That's exciting to see people come in, especially, you know, a big group like that, new people to, you know, see. And I think the candidates feel the excitement in the room by seeing so many people who are interested in hearing what they have to say, because they're like, oh, it's not just one or two people. It's a group of people that, wow, here they are. They're all here to see me. And I think they find that when this many people are interested in them, that they feel like, wow, this is an important event that I am coming to. And I need to tell my constituents that this is an important thing to come to. We need to do this. It's not just a, oh, here, fill out a paper and we're done. And they are addressing their constituents. When we do mm-hmm. these screenings in the district, it's for candidates who would represent the people in that district, correct? Right. Mm-hmm. Now, the district screening council, we go to many places. We go to not just our own area. Right. We go out and about. I mean, because like I've been to Twinsburg, I've screened from um, Norwalk. I've, <laughs> so we've been uh, many places, but that's because we're in the whole council. But then those more local people were there, like from the Twinsburg area in Ordonia, seeing their own constituents there with them, which was very nice. Are there challenges you face when you have to make these decisions? It can't always be easy. Um. Sometimes, but it, um, you know, that's when you can ask questions of staff because then they have some background to help you with that. Um, So that really comes into play there if you need it. What would be the one message you have for other OEA members about this process, about the importance of this process, and about what you'd want to see from them in this process. It sounds like it's scary to do, but it's not. It's, and it's important. It's important to get in there and screen these candidates to, we are the people that endorse them. The members are the people that endorse our candidates for state house, not staff, not governance. It's the membership. And if you're not active in the membership doing it, then you have nothing to complain about. You should be up there doing it. So it's not scary. It's, they help you do it. There's training for it. It's a rewarding activity to screen with these people and to speak with them, to hear their views, to know what they're going to do when they're down in Columbus, as far as education. I mean, that's not the whole broad thing of it, but to know that they are there for us and to get the whole story of what they want to do as far as education issues. And to know that the decisions that you're making as a member, representing the 120,000 members of OEA, that mm-hmm. really can make a big difference in terms of getting those public pro-public education candidates into office. Yes. You got the power. <laughs> yes. The membership has the power then. That's right. Barb, it thank is. you so much for explaining it all. Thank you. Okay, so now that we've sorted out how the recommendation decisions are made, it's time for you to check out who OEA members have recommended for the races in your area. OEA members can go to ohioballot.com to learn more. 
or you can find some important links in the show notes for this episode. Between now and Election Day, we'll hear from some of the OEA member-recommended candidates who are running for office this year, including a few OEA members-turned-candidates who will be on the ballot. Remember, the voter registration deadline for this November's election is October 11th, and early in-person absentee voting begins October 12th in Ohio. Election Day is November 8th. Until next time, stay well. Stay well.